Hey, do me a favor one more time. Let's put our hands together for those visiting with us for the first time. Can we welcome them? So grateful that you're here. I got to meet several of you before service. And uh, again, just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, also, those online, welcome. Glad that you're here. Maybe you're watching. Uh, hopefully, you're not driving and holding the phone, but hopefully, you're just enjoying it at home. Or maybe you're taking in service a little bit later today. Want to welcome you as well. So glad that you're here. And as I mentioned a, no, uh, a moment ago, numbers is where we're going to land today. We're going to begin a short series on faith. We talk about faith. For some of you, this will be new. For some of you, this will be a good refresher. And um, today's message is entitled, give you an idea of where I'm going to go. I want to talk about having a faith full future. Faith being one word, full, F-U, with two L's being the next, and then the third word being future. I was uh, reading an article earlier about, uh, it comes to us from the John Templeton Foundation. I was just doing some research about human beings, y'all, human beings and the future. And how our mind works and our mind thinks. Well, according to this article, there's something hopefully you know about yourself, but now we all know about you. You think about your future a lot. You have thoughts about not only the lunch you're about to eat here in a few moments, not about who's going to win the next playoff game, but you have a future six months, a year, sometimes five years, sometimes 25 years out. Your mind is on the move. For some of you, it's vague. For others of you, you've got it detailed, mapped out, and kept in a diary in your purse. You could bring it out any time. Tell everybody how the next five years is going to look, next 10, next 15 years. And to that, we always say, good luck. <laughs> Hopefully, it happens that way. <laughs> but I want to encourage you to live life faithful. And in the article I was reading, as I said, we think about the future a lot. One study of social media posts found that around 15% of messages mentioned the future. While a different study that asked people to write what they were thinking, that's a good study, <laughs> write, uh, asked people to write what they were thinking the last time their mind had wandered. And they found that 43% of the sentences that were written down concerned, you guessed it, the future. It's remarkable. Psychologists call this prospection. You're welcome. Glad you came today. Psychologists call this prospection, as you can imagine, to prospect. Or future-mindedness. It's not only unique to humans, though we're the most advanced, but some animals can do this as well. Come on, somebody. One of your chores, some of you teenagers or young adults, not young adults, well, if you're at home, young adults, one of your chores is when you get home today, you're going to grab that leash, and your dog is going to go crazy because it's thinking it's going for a walk, somebody. Some of you men, when you hear the coffee, you're thinking about your future. You know it's time to wake up. That's my cue. It's this ability we have a forethought to think ahead. And we do this all 
the time. And I want to encourage you today. I want to equip you today because I think it's a wonderful opportunity that we have as followers of Jesus to know the one who holds our future. So we can walk through life knowing that God is with us, that God is for us, that God has a good idea, a good plan, and wonderful thoughts in and over our life. So typically, there's two ways we can think about the future. Either, as I mentioned, faithful, F-U-L-L, where the cup is full, or fearful. We can begin to envision our future, and we encounter it with a sense of dread. Or we can begin to speculate negatively. We can begin, if you will, in our mind to build entire cities and infrastructures that when a problem arises, we know exactly where to put it. Ooh, I've got a neighborhood for you. I bought you a house. Guess what? You can live rent-free in my mind. We can begin to foster that negative thinking, that that future-mindedness, and it can be negative, false. Scripture speaks to this. Scripture encourages us. We do have options before us. I want to, can I just speak candidly? You can be saved, love God, and still remain fearful in your thinking. I want to empower you today. Everybody say, I've got responsibility. I've got responsibility for my mind. You're responsible. You're responsible. Perhaps you're waiting for others to convince you of your responsibility. Be convinced. You're responsible for your thinking and your future-mindedness. Or as they say, your prospection, your outlook. You're responsible for it. Now, let's make no mistakes about it. Family of origin does have an impact. Life experiences, our memory, our perspective on God, understanding uh, or not understanding how deeply loved we are by our Heavenly Father can have a dramatic input on our outlook of life. Current circumstances, somebody, and other criteria, all these become a, a melting pot of what's taking place in our mind. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle he said something very profound and, 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 and I thought very significant. He said, our life moves in the direction of our strongest thought. Our life moves in the direction of our strongest thought. Numbers chapter 13. Significant story in the life of the people of Israel. They are on a journey. God has delivered them in what I would say rather dramatic fashion. Story you're all familiar with. The plagues on Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea by Moses, the provision of water, of food, all of those miracles having taken place. They are in the wilderness being led by God. One of the things to keep in mind is they could actually physically see at this time the physical presence of God. Cloud by day and a fire by night. He was there with them. There was no denying God was with them and leading them. 
Well, in Numbers 13, Moses instructs what is called these 12 tribes, and he gets a leader, invites a leader from each of the tribes to form a little spy convoy to go into what is Canaan, or as we would call it, the promised land. And so these 12 spies kind of go undercover into the land. They're checking everything out. They're seeing that the words God spoke are actually true. God would say this was a land flowing with milk and honey. In fact, your Bible, if you read through all the passages, they went during grape harvest season, and the grapes were large. The fruit of the land was good. It was clear that this was the promised land God was bringing them into. And so Moses, I think, says something here. He's, he, he invites them. He says, hey, go into the land, check it out, make records, take it all in, spy the whole thing out. Let's see what is before us. And then Moses, just a, just a short little verse. He says, for this is the land the Lord is going to give us. This is the land the Lord is going to give us. Well, the 12 spies come back. They're thrilled <laughs> with the land. I mean, it is perfect. It is beautiful. Everything is coming together nice. And they come all the way back and they bring this report. So we pick up with these verses. In verse 26 of Numbers 13, it says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Verse 30, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Verse 31, But the men who had gone up with them said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Those verses, that short summary, to me, I would say, mirrors what some have called the battlefield of the mind. And one thing you need to know about the battlefield of the mind, what you dwell on, you dwell in. 
twelve went out. And they came back with different reports. They went into the promised land. They saw the land flowing with milk and honey. Some of them forgot the second part of what Moses said. For surely the Lord will give you this land. Can I tell you, one of the enemy's tactics over our lives is to talk us out of the promises that God has for us. Sometimes the enemy needs little help because we're very good at talking ourselves out of the promises that God has over our lives. My encouragement for us today Just give me a few minutes and just try out some of what I'm going to talk about today. I want to bring up an image. It differentiates between. It's a simple one to understand, but it differentiates between these two reports. One is a faithful future versus a fearful future. A faithful future, hear the words of Caleb, You know, Caleb is that guy, upbeat, smiles too much, Um, emotionally set, he's good, he's confident who God is, who God is for him, he's confident on his future. And what's nice is in number 14, we see what happens for people like Caleb. In just a few moments, fear has gripped the camp, and they're wanting to kill Caleb and Joshua. Come on, you positive people, you know the pain of persecution. Being upbeat, being optimistic. You ever been accused of, you're just so fake. No, no, I'm really enthusiastic about who God is. And uh, last time I checked, the odds are in our favor. The Father, the Son... The Holy Spirit, we still got two-thirds of the angels, not to mention there's two billion people serving Christ across the globe. I like my odds. But I want to talk about this faithful future. Caleb is confident in who? God. It's simple. This is going to be simple to understand. I've understood this most of my life. I've only been applying it for about the last decade. But confident in God. See the possibilities. You know, I'm going to quote Dumb and Dumber here for a minute. So you're saying there's a chance. You get it? You get it. They see the possibilities before them. Caleb's not confident in his own strength. Notice Caleb doesn't come across and say, let's, let's, let's listen, guys, let's scale back. I disagree with, you know, this, this, this about your report. No, 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 no. Caleb does not deny the giants in the land, the difficulties, the problems. But he is so resilient and so committed to the word of God in and over their life that he he just trusts God. So he's confident in God. He sees the possibilities. His trust in God's abilities. 
versus the ten. At this point, Joshua isn't mentioned, but Joshua and Caleb, confident in God, faithful future. The other ten, fearful future. They're confident in obstacles. I mean, they've got records of how this thing is not going to work out and how it was a bad idea to begin with and how we should have stayed as slaves in Egypt. At least our bellies were filled and it tasted good. They have all the lineup, all the reasons of why it shouldn't have happened. They see the problems. And let's just put pause. Here's the thing about pessimists. They have no idea they're pessimists. They call themselves realists. Well, you, you don't see the problem. And here's, here's why uh, uh, pessimists and optimists sometimes battle heads. The optimists aren't denying the problems. They're just, if you will, they see the possibilities. And this isn't just, this isn't just Christians. Sometimes we can learn from Elon Musk. Yeah. He's not con- uh, South African, by the way. All right, I'll stop. But um, <laughs> there may or may not be something. I know I'm American, but I was born in Cape Town, so. And I'm, I'm not saying I have any of Elon Musk's qualities. Um, but see the, see the possibilities. Refusing to be limited by one's own strength. Being aware of one's own strength is good. But understanding the one who created us is better. God invites us invites us forward by faith. There are promises before each and every one of us that we can lean into, that we can recite, that we can prepare the soil of our souls so when problems or circumstances arise, we're not thrown, but we have the right perspective. You remember Elisha. They've written a great song about it, and we sing it from time to time about being surrounded. And Elisha and his servant Gehazi, you remember in Kings, the book of Kings, they wake up, and Gehazi's out grabbing his Starbucks, and he's coming back with the order, and he, he notices, man, we are surrounded here. Then Elisha, he's as cool as a cucumber. It's kind of irritating, but he's as cool as a cucumber, and he just says, no, 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 no. All you can see is these armies. But I'm going to pray that the Lord opens your eyes to see the angel armies that are surrounding you in this very moment. We could be consumed by our circumstance or we could be consumed by the one who created us. That his word is faithful and his word is true. But it requires some intentionality from you and from me requires some intentionality from you. Caleb is confident in God, sees the possibilities. The other spies are confident in the obstacles. They saw the problems. They were limited by their own strength. Here's something you need to know about the promised land in and over your life. If you wait until the promised land is empty of resistance, giants, or problems... 
you wouldn't need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you somehow think, you know, it's all just going to work out. Well, it is. However, you can at least help partner with God so you determine how the journey is going to go. You know what I mean? As we journey into the promised land, man, we can delay it, delay it, delay it. Sometimes the enemy gets us so consumed with fear, we land up being with them like the Israelites. An 11-day journey takes 40 years. Sometimes we could be in the wilderness, and man, we are point blank blaming everybody else except ourselves for our lack of faith. Too far? Maybe. Come back next week. But I mean this. I mean this. Sometimes there's been a history here over the centuries, and it's a mindset that said, man, God just flicked this sucker into orbit, and it's just sitting back. Say la vie. What will be, will be. Only problem is, you have to do a lot of proof texting and miscontexting of the scriptures to have that sort of mentality. There's a lot of mystery in our relationship with God. And faith, faith is something that we can begin to activate in and over our lives. But it takes great intentionality on behalf of you and for me. So I want to talk about, just briefly, give us a little context, and boom, run us, run us through a few things, and then we'll end. Possible promised land. Possible promised land. Let's just get legit. Let's get a little detailed here for a moment. Here are possible promised lands in and over your life. There's plenty more, but y'all are hungry. So let's just look at a few of these possible promised lands. A new job. Could be a new job. Could be a career pivot. You're freaking out. You won't make the step because you want a promised land that has no giants, no resistance, no difficulty. Ain't going to happen. Could be a marriage. You're just thinking, man, it's just going to work itself out. I'm just going to, you know, keep doing what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to wait for the resistance to stop. No. You were gifted prayer. You have a prayer closet. You can get on your knees. You can invite God to invade day in and day out. You have to partner with God the promises in and over your life. Everybody say this. Let's just push pause. I'm not a sitting duck. I know this is deep here. but just I'm not a sitting duck. Yeah, yeah. You're not. You don't have to just wait and receive every circumstance. Just be like, oh, I guess it, guess it's my lot in life. It's just, just, yeah. Some of you don't even say anything. It's just. If you're like me, you're waiting for that emoji, so that can just be on your Facebook, just right there. Possible promised lands, personal finances. Some of you are like, man, dude, my 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 parents were poor. My grandparents were poor. Their parents were poor. Great Depression. It's, 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 we, we were greatly and have been greatly depressed. Okay. Okay. You could still be saved wholeheartedly. 
wholeheartedly, still be saved, still be believing the Bible, but just hanging out, hanging out in mediocrity. It is possible. Salvation of a loved one. Some of you, man, you got to stir that back up. You have stopped praying. You need to be praying. You just stopped. You thought, man, I pray and nothing happens. Welcome to the party, pal. Every one of us has prayed. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But you're a pastor. I know. Nothing happens. Sometimes nothing happens for a long time. Still got to pray. Still got to pray. Still got to pray. Some of you, this is the year for salvation to come, man, and you have to pray. Keep praying. New ministry. God's giving you an idea, but you're like, man, just every time I think about it, you know, I just think about all the reasons it's not going to work out. Okay, stop thinking about all the reasons it's not going to work out. Just think about all the reasons it's going to work out. Get connected with other people who started the ministry and get going. All right. Friendships. Some of you are like, yes, I'm just going to be lonely my whole life. You're like, are you going to stop at every one of these points and do some kind of voiceover? Absolutely. So, <laughs> friendships. Some of you are like, man, it's just going to be. <laughs> I was raised in a home that when you're lonely, you pray. I remember coming over in sixth grade, man. I had this thick British accent. I was out of fashion. I couldn't play basketball. Junior high years in southern Indiana. If you have a British accent, no fashion. Can't play basketball. <sighs> you are a reject. All right, no. And, and I remember, <laughs> not to mention that nobody would laugh at my jokes, right? I, all right. So, for, so friendships, I, I remember, man. I still remember. Being on, being on my couch, I was like, man, I'm just so lonely. I said, man, I can't make friends. I'm trying, Mom, but, man, it's just, you know, you know. She's like, hey, well, well, let's pray. Let's pray. Join hands and we pray. And you know what that did for me? Just trained me. I can pray. Things can begin to happen. I can pray. Believe for things to happen. God's trustworthy. His love is in and over us. I don't have to be a sitting duck. I can be proactive. Health, healing, same. Spiritual growth, goals, the same. Further education. Reconcile broken relationships. Some of y'all are like, man, I, 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 got this, I got this mother-in-law. Welcome to the party. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, I got this brother-in-law. I got this. Some of you are like, I got this spouse, all right? I got, I got, the, I got these kids. I got these kids. Nobody. And, 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 and maybe they grew up, but something went south, and you just kind of resolve, man. It's just going to resolve. It's just going to stay broken. Okay. You have permission. You have. I'm giving you permission. And you can. Put a full stop at the end of that sentence. Or you can put a comma and put, but God. And then begin to fill that in. I once heard an entire message called God's butt is bigger than yours. (laughs) Maybe we'll preach it. I don't know. But 
God. And listen, I know for some of you I aggravate you. I know that. But we're just going to keep praying. We're just going to keep trusting God. So, here's a couple tools for you. God works in intimacy. We believe God speaks. Yes, He's spoken. Hear me loud and clear. He's spoken, He still speaks. Dreams, whispers, rarely, audibly. If you get an audible every week, please talk with me. But, well, actually, no, don't, don't talk with me. Uh, <laughs> join a small group. <laughs> talk to your small group leader. No. <laughs> My first thought here is hear the word of God over your situation. Numbers 13, verses 1 through 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land to Canaan. Do you know all 12 of them received that word accurately and obeyed? All 12 of them knocked it out of the park. But for many of them, that's where the story stopped. They didn't recognize the second part of the word in and over their life and the life of their family, which I am giving to the children of Israel. I still got a few minutes. It's okay. We don't, okay. <laughs> Caleb heard. <laughs> Man, I got the tech guys now rushing me. Oh, Lord. Yo, yo, what's happening? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Look. I know some of y'all are hungrier than others, but you don't need to be texting. I'm just kidding. I do. I do. All right. Um, all right. Just coming back. It's coming back. All right. Caleb heard, I am giving to the children of Israel. I want you to think about that. Send, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. They all did that. Caleb and Joshua received that word, if you will, into their hearts and their minds. They were infiltrated with that word which I am giving. Zero in on what God is saying and speaking. There's a word over your situation and circumstances. God is wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to speak to you over your circumstances. I mean that. You up for a little bit? Short, strange story? I'm not going to ask the tech team. How about y'all? You up for sure? <laughs> I'm just eating. They are the best, you know. I heard this story from a pastor slash prophet, Graham Cook. He was pastoring a church in the UK. This is in the 70s, 80s, and he just, you know, will share stories from his ministry. Well, um, he was on his way to a staff appointment. So he's walking very quickly down a hallway. Well, a secretary that didn't like him and he didn't like was coming through the double doors on the other end of the hallway and was coming straight towards him. And you can imagine, right, trying to avoid eye contact, walking quickly down, trying to get bypassed. And she says, look, I know we don't get along. He said, you're right, we don't. 
said, listen, I just came from the doctor's office. I've got six months to live. And I want to know, am I going to die or am I going to live? <laughs> Graham, he says, listen, I'm running late for my staff meeting. <laughs> and she pokes and prods a little bit and says, listen, I, 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 I need to know. You're a prophet. You hear from God. I need, I need a word. And he says, honey, I can't tell you how this thing goes. I, I can't tell you whether you'll live or whether you'll pass away. I, I, I don't know. But I do know that God wants to speak to you in the midst of this difficulty. And she took that, oh, okay, great. And then they went their separate ways. Well, a couple weeks later, it's the same thing. It's like, listen, I've been, call, I've been trying to pray, but trying to hear from God. What's happening? He said, listen, I don't know, but keep after it. Keep seeking God. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep asking God, Lord, what do you want to speak to me in this situation? Well, a couple weeks later, she comes back to him, glowing, full of excitement, still sick in that moment, but she was thrilled. She said, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, well, tell me what happened. She said, listen, I went down to the grocery store, and I bumped in to one of my old school friends. He said, we're shopping. I'm pushing the cart, and she's coming along. She's pushing the cart. Her daughter's in the cart, you know, and they're just having fun. And we just caught eyes, started chatting a little bit about life. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm standing there, and the daughter taps my friend's arm and says, Mom, that's the lady from the dream. And so, curious, her friend says, what's going on? She said, well, I need to encourage you. My daughter... She's had this dream now going on a couple weeks ago. And Jesus showed up in the dream. And there was a lady that was in the dream. And Jesus told her, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And so the friend tells this lady what Jesus is speaking over her situation. Am I promising that for you? No. I'm just saying it could happen. God has a word over your situation, over your circumstances. And culture wants to challenge that word. If you ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, you'll, he, you can see he's a, he's a master thinker and follower of Christ. C.S. Lewis talks about the battlefield of the mind at the battleground. And it's, it's all about these demons, right? Wormwood, who's writing letters. And that demon sent to the sun. And so he's <laughs> on assignment. The guy says, oh, it's fine that he's become a Christian. Now that he's become a Christian, just keep him distracted. Keep him uh, with his mind running every which way. Don't ever let him get a hold of God's word and promises over his life. So many times, ta the, the, the tactic of the enemy is to try to silence God's word in and over our life. Hold on. Be persistent. If you're like, man, God's not speaking. I don't think God has a word over my situation. 
I got 66 books, says, he does. <laughs> you can read them, reread them. Say, I want somebody to come to me with a dream. That's fine. Pray for it. Just look, 66 books, you just keep reading and rereading them over your life. Maybe Numbers 13, you just camp out there. Say, God, make me like Caleb. Maybe your devo is you read the whole of Numbers 13, you close it up, say, God, make me like Caleb. Amen. And then you just whoop, go on with your day. Second here, cultivate a faith culture. There's certain things, <laughs> my wife will tell you, there are certain things that did not come naturally for me. They include speak life, listen to life, delete negative thoughts. She'll tell you, yeah, that's not the man I married, but the man I am today, baby, you can change. You can change. Speak life. Listen to life. Delete negative thoughts. I shared a Devo on our social media, which, by the way, join our social media, and you can see little nuggets, little, little things. I'm not the only one. we got several little devotionals through these 21 days. Well, I shared, listen, have some fun when it comes to speaking life and deleting these negative thoughts. Like, like just set up some parameters, you know? Like, I have a parameter from five to eight. I don't take problems. I just, I'll receive the news. I'll take it in. But from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., no problems allowed. Why not? Jesus said, do not worry. I mean, he didn't put exact parameters around that. He just said, you could live like that perpetually if you want. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. You have permission. You just set up some parameters. Have some fun about it. Enjoy it. Begin to think creatively. Hey, you know what? I just, I just, hey, I know this is a big deal. Let's pray. Let's ask God. But I'm not going to take on the panic. I'm going to take on the peace. Doesn't mean I'm not interested. Oh, I'm totally interested. Just because somebody isn't panicking doesn't mean they're not interested. We're just going to give the peace. Cultivate a faith culture. Cultivate that. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. Every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. Some of you, your borders are way too loose. You need to get your immigration up, your immigration team. You need some, some borders up here. You just letting every thought in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. You need to set up some traps. Every thought does not get to take priority in and over your life. You get to order those things. Notice the ten spies. Ah! There are giants upon giants upon giants. And they got together with other giants and made baby giants. And then it just kept going and going and going. And Caleb, I love it. It's like conversational. <laughs> Caleb's like... Shut up, shut up, guys, shut up. I think we should go take the ground the Lord's given us. Serious, you've got to take every thought captive. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You want to tap out? I do want to tap out, but not my will. His will be done. His will 
be done. Sometimes we use his will be done as a cop out for stepping into the promises of God over our life. When you, Jesus, you say his will be done, you mean it. For the promises over our life, man, we've got to take every thought captive. Last but not least, I'm laughing because they encourage you to always provide something practical at the end of a message. And not to speak in generalities. So number three here, do something. (laughs) Do something. Hear the word of God over your situation. Cultivate a faithful culture. Do something. Take a step towards faith. James 2, faith without works is what? You've got to prime that pump. You have to keep it moving. There are, there are times, uh, there are times we just have to, I, I'll, a little shortcut for us. Sometimes we just give a little extra somewhere, give somebody something, act, keep the faith going. I won't grow comfortable or complacent, just keep it going. I remember hearing a story of a pastor who uh, had quadruple bypass surgery. In the 80s, so it was like next level dangerous in Texas. All right, well, this pastor told his son, here's what I want you to do. I'm in this hospital room. I'm hearing all the reports. I'm seeing the records. I know my surgery is good, but here's what I want you to do. Will you go get my running shoes? You go get my running shorts and my running shirt and just put them on the window next to me. Because I want to see in the physical where I'm headed. I want to see that every moment, every moment, every moment. I want to see what I'm stepping into. He's not, hey, will you get a picture of my tombstone? Here's what I wanted to say. He didn't ask for that. He said, hey, give me my shoes, give me my shorts, give me my shirt. I want to see that. There was a season, there was a time, where on my phone, I had pictures (laughs) of a full parking lot, baby, because the parking lot was empty. (laughs) And I was like, oh God, okay, need to stir the faith, baby. (laughs) You laugh, but kept my mind, because I know the promise, I know we ain't seen nothing yet. I know God's about to do something great and huge. But sometimes there are empty parking lots along the journey of life. And we don't have to step into them. We can begin to stretch our faith a little bit. Just saying. There's all sorts of ideas. You can begin to do something. Took pictures of a full auditorium. Began to get that in the mind. Because I'm like, Lord... There's so many lost people who need Jesus. Every church can be full. Thank you, God. Why do I I think that way? Because I'm not a sitting duck. I'm not a sitting duck. The the apostle Paul said, man, we've got to take every thought captive. Every thought captive. I'm not going to just negatively think. I'm going to positively think. But it all comes back to weaving our way to number one. Hear God's word in 
over your situation and over your circumstance. He's inviting you. New job, new career, new move, new location. Promise, 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 promise. Don't think it just slides in through the back door and you wake up. Well, this is great. That does happen. But most of the time, there's resistance, resistance, resistance. And oftentimes, when we're an inch away from a breakthrough, the problems, the noise is the loudest, and things can be the hardest. But I want to encourage you to hang in there, hang on, and to declare words of life, words of hope, words of peace over and in your situation. It's so important that as we head in this journey on this faith series, that you know what's before you. The options are available. A faithful future or a fearful future. Don't let disappointment, don't let heartache get the final word over your life. God has good days ahead. He's faithful to complete the story that he's writing in and over your life. Your circumstances are loud. I understand that. The giants are loud. I get that. But our God is stronger. He's louder. He's the most faithful, happy, joy-filled person I know. And I want to pray for you as we close. Father, again, we say thank you for your goodness. Thank you.